This gospel reading is the text for today's sermon. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were taking with, they were talking with each other about these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all of the people, And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us when he talked to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I think if we take a look at the road to Emmaus and the walk that these two disciples are making from Jerusalem to Emmaus, we see here a small snapshot of what it means in the life of a disciple. Think about it. In in your own life, there's this journey that we're on in faith. Sometimes we don't see or understand, but we're walking together. Right? We're not alone. We're walking together and we're teaching and hearing the word. We're engaging with the sacraments and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit opens up our eyes to see and know. Our hearts are awakened and that results in us going and telling. 
That should be the description of every single one of our lives. So I asked this question to a handful of people this week, members of our congregation from different services and different walks of life. What does your road to Emmaus look like? I asked these questions. What messengers spoke the word of God to you? How did Jesus reveal himself to you in a way that changed you? How did that change happen in your life? And how did it impact the way you live every single day of your life? And then finally, who is somebody that you have or will share this with? But in this journey, sometimes we do struggle to see and recognize God at work in our lives. For the disciples in today's text, they're on this road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, approximately seven, seven uh, miles or so. It's probably a, a two-hour walk if you're consistent. And we don't know a whole lot about them. Only one is named, Cleopas, and he only happens to be mentioned in this account and nowhere else. So we know very little detail about him. I mean, we know absolutely nothing about who was called the other disciple. But you see, their identity is not as important as the identity of the man who walks with them. The identity of Jesus means everything. Their eyes were kept from recognizing them, even as they're discussing the events of this past week that's been crammed full in Holy Week. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And we pondered and wondered if this was just a way of saying that their own grief and mental anguish hid him, or was this some divine interruption of their vision to be able to see and know Jesus? Or are they simply in shock or denial, and things in their life are a bit of a fog? But regardless of the actual meaning, it's almost as if Jesus wants to spend some good quality time with them before he reveals himself and they are awestruck and hear nothing else he has to say you see jesus knows that seeing is not what leads up to believing hearing leads to believing and believing then allows us to see the disciples needed to hear jesus teach this old testament prophecy and fulfillment in order for them to hear and believe and then see his presence with them Again, chatting with some of our faith family members this, this week, some of them reported thinking of many times in their lives where God's plan did not look all that clear. Maybe you can relate to that. Or that sometimes God had you walking a pathway that was nearly impossible and difficult. Just sometimes being completely confused and not understanding what in the world God was up to. You see, we can look to so many other things to give our lives meaning or happiness or security to view things from an earthly perspective. And when we do this, we tend to focus on our problems rather than God's promises. And when we focus on our daily tasks and our daily lives, that leaves very little room for the presence of Jesus. There was one individual who shared that he was baptized and confirmed in the LCMS and that all too often story of then no longer being engaged with the church after confirmation. It's not that he had rejected his faith, it's just that he wasn't active. 
There was a non-Christian that I spoke with in our faith family who started off in a non-Christian household but, but felt this draw to God and something more and became a Christian her freshman year of college. Another gentleman who was raised in the church said that his road to Emmaus has been lifelong, that he had been walking for 45 years with Jesus, not fully recognizing who he was, and it's only been the last 10 that he's been enjoying the true presence of Christ in his life, his eyes, his heart opened fully. Well, who spoke the word of God? Now to the disciples, they, they had it fantastic. Jesus himself draws near to them. Just like he drew near to Mary's on the road and said, hey, he comes alongside of them and just asks where they are and what they've been talking about. See, they don't have to go and find Jesus. Jesus is not lost. He knows exactly where he is. He goes and finds those who are lost and draws near, even when we don't recognize his presence. And Jesus teaches them the Old Testament prophecy and fulfillment. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. It's important to remember and recognize that all of scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, is focused on Jesus. All of this Old Testament even we view through the lens of Jesus. There are so many different references in the, in the Old Testament about the Messiah. This could have taken, oh, I don't know, a couple of hours. And that's how much time they had. But what a lesson. Today in these times, we would say that these two disciples were getting a master class in Old Testament prophecy and fulfillment. And yet their eyes are still kept, at least in this moment, from seeing the true identity of their walking partner. Who has spoken God's word to you? I had very common responses come to mind. Many people shared, oh, my, my pastors or my, my spouse or other friends. One person said his grandmother, she was the first and most influential one who spoke the word of God to him, mostly through actions. She was humble and loving. She was a servant. But she made sure that all of us knew who was in charge of her life. The gentleman who fell, fell apart from the church after confirmation, well, he met this beautiful young lady that after they got to know each other more and were spending more time with each other, shared with him, it's important that we worship together. And so they did. Another young lady who was not in a Christian household but came to faith in college said that random people in class random friends and especially a particular youth worker worked powerfully in her heart to awaken it with the word of God this particular young lady I thought was amazing in that she later went back to all of her friends who spoke God's word into her life and especially this church worker and said thank you even though right then and right there, I didn't believe because of the seeds that were planted by you and the watering that happened by you, today I do. Well, how did Jesus reveal himself to you in a way that changed you? Let's start with the disciples. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. See, he's been speaking with them for quite some time. They've heard a whole lot 
of the word of God. And this means that the Holy Spirit has been working, engaging, and burning in their heart up until this time, laying the groundwork. And now they are ready. Now is the time for the big reveal. And the words took bread, broke it, and blessed it, and gave it to them should sound so familiar. And we're about to hear it from Pastor Arp in just moments as we receive the very real presence of the body of Christ in with and under the bread. And for us, how does Jesus reveal himself to us today? Well, he met the two Marys on their way back from the grave. Jesus met the disciples behind locked doors. And today, Jesus draws near through word and sacrament, through prayer and fellowship with other believers, and with his promise to be with us always. The young man who stopped engaging with the church after his eighth grade year, but then re-engaged when he met his future wife, he shared this event that happened to him. It's, a, it's an event called Via de Cristo. It's a completely lay-led event that teaches discipleship and service to others. And this man was deeply impacted by the amount of grace of God that he received through the service of all of these other people as they were teaching and talking and praying and lifting up and feeding and serving and serving and serving and he saw in them so much joy just in the act of serving it made a deep impact on him and he began to learn that everyone not just pastors can share the love of christ and you don't have to be in front of a church to make a spiritual difference in someone else's spiritual walk another gentleman recovering from addiction said that jesus met me by revealing himself during my darkest hour I had lost everything. I was at rock bottom. And that is where he does his best work when we are ready, willing, and able to get out of his way. I spoke with another gentleman. He's a businessman, and he was at a client's farm talking with the client, and the client was showing him his expansive cabbage field, which was worth several million dollars at harvest time, and suddenly a hailstorm broke. His entire field demolished lost millions of dollars in a matter of seconds. And the response that this man saw in his client, he said, I saw him walk to the window and pray, Lord, give me the wisdom to see the lesson you have in this for me. When Jesus reveals himself to us, it brings changes. And how do those changes look? For the disciples, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. See, the opening of their eyes is passive. They're not the ones who finally figured out how to open their eyes. Their eyes were opened. All of a sudden, they are able to see him as the resurrected Jesus. There's this flood of, of joy, of elation, of relief and rejoicing. And just like that, he's gone. There's so many questions, so much more time that they would like to have spent. Why did he have to vanish so quickly? Well, because there's other people that he has to reveal himself to. In talking with other people, how did these changes impact them? One person said, well, sometimes I'm just stubborn and, and hard-headed, and I need Jesus to hit me with a two-by-four upside my head and grab my attention. And then I see he's been walking beside me this whole time. Another person said, it completely reshapes and reframes how I see the world. I see it with his eyes instead of my own. And sometimes the change is not often dramatic, 
but it's more subtle and continual. One person said it made me realize and believe in the seriousness of sin and the brokenness of life. It gives me a better road to follow framed by honest, hard boundaries and respect and dignity. A road on which I can be true to God's image in me and be aware of others on the road who may need God's word spoken to them. The young man who went away from the church in eighth grade only to be reunited with his future wife into the church, gone on this Via de Cristo event, said this. He said, Jesus revealing himself to me was a mountaintop event, and while change occurred there, the real difference happened as I met in reunion groups to continue the conversation. Reunion groups are moments for you to reconnect on a weekly basis with people who are at that weekend. This began my journey of being involved in every church that we've been members of and supporting the pastor's that were given to lead us. The young lady who was brought into the church in college said, I began to go in church right away, even though my parents didn't. I don't remember how I got there every Sunday. I just know I was there. Another individual said, I view hardships in life in a different way. Jesus helps me understand how God uses all things for my good. I, I just need to pray for the wisdom to learn from our hardships and to her, turn to him for strength. And then how did it impact the way that you live every single day? The disciples talked about these burning hearts. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? And you could say that as their hearts were burning, Jesus' words were doing the prep work for the believing that would come at the breaking of bread that allowed their eyes to see. They believed and then they saw. Their hearts were burning and I couldn't help but think about the flames that were burning over the heads of the disciples at Pentecost, but the Holy Spirit was present visibly and working here in their hearts. The Holy Spirit is busy working, opening up their hearts to believe. During Jesus' teaching on the road, the Holy Spirit was working in them big time and everything clicked when Jesus broke bread. But the daily differences that it makes in the lives of those here at St. Luke's. There's been several young men who have almost become ravenous in their study of Scripture, searching in it hours daily. You see, an awakened heart thirsts more and more for the Word of God. Another gentleman said, it causes me to seek forgiveness and renewal through God, through my repentance. Another person said, we've sought out friend groups, small groups, and maintained many of the friendships that we've made. We've been active in each congregation and using our talents and resources that we've been given. This one gentleman who has a love for service now said, I serve because I love others. I give because I truly care for others. It's not mine doing it, mind you, but the Holy Spirit's. And in a nutshell, pride has been removed from the equation, and I realize and act accordingly that nothing good that I have is mine. It is his, and by his will and by his hand, I've been blessed and entrusted to do his will with it. And all of this is fine and good, but this last part, if I were preaching this part, I would use that and behold phrase that says, whatever you do, whatever you're thinking about, come back to this point and do not miss this. 
And they rose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and appeared to Simon. Who is someone that you need to share this good news with? Now, I can't help but think that at this time of night, the road would have been much more dangerous. It's evening, it's nighttime, that's when thieves and robbers would be present. And this two-hour two trip probably took a little bit more than an hour, because I'm guessing they were rushing through this all because it was dangerous, but also because of the joy and exuberance they had inside of them. The excitement was growing because more and more reports of the resurrection are coming in. And what does this all mean? And what will happen next? And behold, who will you draw near to on the road? One person said, I want to share it with everyone God places in my life, my wife, my children, my friends, someone in need. This lady who grew up in a non-Christian home said this. My mom actually asked me my faith story recently. I had the chance to share all of this with her. She was very interested and receptive to know me as a Christian, but is still really jaded about Christianity and in particular the church. But I don't think my dad will ever truly hear it. I've tried. Another individual said, I want to share with everyone. It's the great commission. We can read, learn, and preach, but living, that's the key. Coming alongside others to love and to serve, to live out life with them. That's the true transparency and intimacy that we have as Christian brothers and sisters. That is, as Bonhoeffer calls it, life together. Please hear this. Being a disciple of Jesus does not mean you come to church a few times a month. And that's the extent of your time with God and other believers. That doesn't do it. It's a journey, consistent, filled with teaching and learning, a life that loves and longs for the sacraments. It's an awakened heart that sees and thirsts for more. It's sharing that news with others. And that last part, sharing that news with others, is critically important. We are all disciples on this journey together. Let's teach and hear. Let's encourage, admonish. Let's strengthen and challenge. But let's not end there. Let us go and tell others. May the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.